All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of First Issue Club Podcast, the weekly podcast where we cover first issues of the week. The gang's all here. Budget King, Mike D., Caitlin, and Greg. We're all back. What books are we covering today, Caitlin? 1975 out on Image, Low Road West from Boom, and Iceman from Marvel. Wonderful. And a little thing that we covered, 1975, if you're looking for it at the comic book shop, it's actually MCMLXXV. So that is uh, uh, an old numerical system <laughs> that the Romans used to have. I don't mm-hmm. know why we don't uh, do that anymore. Yeah, to be it honest, seems it's so super practical. Easy. Yeah. I love that for numbers when they're tattoos. Totally. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. I, I like words, but I like them better when they're written in kanji in, ta- mm. in tattooed on somebody. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Those words have more meaning. I don't know what kanji is. It's, um... <laughs> oh, my God, Caitlin. Are you serious? It's the drawings of, like, um, for Japanese words. Oh, okay. Japanese characters? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. But characters could have been... She might have thought I was talking about, like, manga characters. <laughs> manga, you mean? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. There we go. <laughs> you guys are nerds. You're right. Anyway. <laughs> well, that'll all probably get cut, so... Yeah, well. I hope so. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> in the image book 1975 that we cover, it plays a playful homage to The Warriors, the 1970s film about rival gangs in New York. Uh, and in this book, and in The Warriors, actually, they have this uh, midnight radio station that kind of alerts the gangs of, to the gang activity that's happening in town. So I'm curious, and my question is for you guys, what would your DJ name be, and what would the name of your late-night bluesy uh, radio show be? My name would be Bongo Steve. It would just be the one-minute intros to, like, action-chasing scenes. What's the name of the show, though? Um, Bongo Steve plays the blues. (laughs) (laughs) Blues and bongos. Uh, This is Greg Lichtai, and my name would be Smokey the Bear, but B-A-R-E. And I play sex noises, but backwards, to the tune of a saxophone underwater. <laughs> and the show would be called... <laughs> where, uh, where, do you, where do you acquire that audio? It would be called... I had, well, I have to make it myself. Handmade. Oh. Um, but the show would be called uh, <laughs> Wet Sax. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. My name is Caitlin, and my name would be just DJK. I would keep it simple, and then... My radio show would just be DJ K gets the sleepies, and I would just take melatonin um, to prepare for the next day and just talk until I started getting weird and eventually fell asleep on air. <laughs> on air? You're mm-hmm. going to say some terrible Roseanne stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is what yeah. we've learned oh, from no. taking meds. And I'm Mike D, but my DJ name would be Dev Goop, and <laughs> I would play elevator music and read blog post from goop.com Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle blog oh mm-hmm. really yes <laughs> why is it called goop Gwyneth only orders poop <laughs> <laughs> oh it's an acronym <laughs> yeah I just figured it out it is weird that her yeah. initials are the ending letters uh, the nicest the nicest food has fecal matter in it. oh, my God. oh <laughs> what 
Um, what food has poop in it? There's, I did there, not there's, there's coffee. know that we were going to be saying the word fecal. Coffee so has poop times. in it? There's two, ty- two types of coffee. One that comes out of cat poop, and there's monkey oolong poop. Tea. That's tea. Uh-huh. That, that's tea. Oh, T- now cat poop. Go back to that, tea. please. Okay, I, I, Google it. Okay, there is, there is. I don't want a chore. Oh, Just tell God. me what cat <laughs> coffee Google is. Google it. Here's my problem with Google it, okay, guys? Don't get me. Start the clock. Here's where, we, where I stand on Google it. Listen, if you want to find an article about anything that supports any topic, you're going to find something on the internet that supports that opinion or thing. It doesn't mean it's There's true. There's going to be, type in, I, type in this phrase, is the nicest coffee I can purchase or, or origin from cat poop. And they will I say do it. Yeah. Siri, is the nicest coffee I can purchase origin from poop? <laughs> okay. I found this on the web for is the nicest coffee I can purchase origin from poop. What does she say? So scientists can now tell whether the world's most expensive coffee, which is picked from the poo of a weasel-like creature called the Asian palm civet, is a genuine article or not. I was saddened that it wasn't a cat. I thought it was a cat. Okay, I stand corrected, though. On so what? Okay, so hold on. You weren't even... I don't know, now he's just bailing. I, was, I, I truly was under the impression that the, the, the best process you could have for, for food that was considered a delicacy involved some type of fecal. <laughs> so, okay. Should I ask Siri on some type of fecal? No. Or are we good? Some type don't. of fecal is my next I don't, album I, name. I wouldn't consider myself a foodie by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think anyone's going to be calling you a foodie anytime yeah. soon. Uh, and with that out of the way, let's get this podcast started. First up today, we have 1975 from Image, Words and Art by Casey and McEwen. This book is, as crazy as it is, nostalgic for the smooth soul of the 70s. You've got a cabbie, Pamela Evans, who is a pretty much a badass, just going around and raining destruction down on monsters and assholes alike. We get a little backstory into little Pamela, whose nickname was Little Lead Belly, getting trained by a father figure type named Damocles when a giant demonic monster appears. She just apparently takes it on, like, in the scene, like, just as a tiny child, just like, I'll go and take care of this. It seems that she's just continued to take it on throughout her entire adult life with her night shift DJ partner, Prefect Patterson. Though brief, I I really liked their romance. He's, like, watching out for her. I hadn't seen The Warriors, so I didn't really know what you were talking about with that. But, like, it was kind of nice that he was, like, her man in the chair. She's out there doing totally. stuff. I think as a person who works in the radio industry, I'm appreciative of something like this that's uh, giving a shout-out to an, a dying form of media. <laughs> I'm going to savor it, buddy. Um, did you hate this because it is a period piece? So, do we... Know for sure that it's set in 1975? The title is... 100%. I thought it was pretty yeah, heavy-handed I, with that, but... Yeah. It does feel like a period piece, but I'm just... 
I'm, I'm just pointing it out there. There's lots of like weird shit that happens in this. Did they ever say like this is for sure 1975? No, there's no setting that's like in typeface or anything like that throughout the book. But they I have do, like subtle cues, like, subtle visual like, cues. Like you see, yes, you are. Yeah, uh, she's wearing a very 70s outfit. Yes. The technology, like the cabs, are very like analog and 70s looking. Um, you have even a sign in the cover, the background of the cover that says like "Dope is Death," and like there's yep. just a bunch of they're playing vinyl records, yeah, on the radio. Like mm-hmm. that's so, what oh, his so it's twenty eight, it's twenty eighteen then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny. That's the funny it thing is, about life oh is like God. all this stuff like comes <laughs> around again, you know. Uh, this may be very stupid, but it wasn't very apparent to me that she was even a, a woman <laughs> immediately. The yeah. breast didn't tip you off. She's so ice so thicker. I think I think the thing about that that is interesting, I guess, is that she is not drawn as a typical female lead. No, one hundred percent not. Yeah, it became something that I loved. Mm-hmm. And even the part where she like comes home and she's she basically just shuts down any attempt to figure out what's wrong with her, yeah. and just wants to like Bone. wind down with her lover. And that part was eat like it was so very sensual, and it was just like it encompassed like so it was wonderful. One thing I liked about this book was how sloppy it was in some ways, where it's like, oh, there's just, uh, now there's some ninjas. And there's just, like, <laughs> yeah. kind of, like, things kind of, like, stumbling in. And you don't really, I can't tell if it's the taxi order of the 70s that fight fantastical creatures or if it's just that she is, like, a Highlander creature. This is her. I think it is too. We, I think we got to peek into that. But I, I see exactly what you're saying because it seems like these things are just present in the city. Yeah. Especially when she fights that, just group fight that breaks out in the streets. They don't look like just normal dude. I mean, one kind of looks like a rugby team, but like, the other ones are like wearing these weird hats and vests, and it's mm-hmm. like, they're just dudes out there fighting each other. So you don't know if it's the city that's weird or if it's her. Hey, man, it's New York in the 70s. So what happens is that there's a, like, weird demon karate group that she fights in the beginning of the book. And at, towards the end of it, it's, like, actual gang wars. Yes. And, yeah. and there's this quote that they, like, bring back and, like, do this cool design with where they say, wait. You guys aren't monsters, just assholes. Yeah. And so she like essentially goes and fights in a gang war. She can tell that they're not monsters, by the way, because she has a weapon that lights up. A tire iron. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That lights up when they are monsters it's and like does not when they are yeah. assholes. Oh, it's like the uh, sword in, in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I thought that the that her teacher being named Damocles was somehow significant. Oh, and, and was it? I looked up Damocles, and there's, like, a story that's called the Sword of Damocles, which is, like, his only big reference. Dionysus was the goddess, mm-hmm. and he was, like, the right-hand man to her. He was, like, faithful to her, and she and but she could always tell that he, like, wanted to experience what her power was like. She was, like, the goddess of the harvest, I think. She switches places with him for a day, but mandates that this sword would be hanging over his head so he could, like, get the true feeling of, like, yes, you are in charge of everything and everything's great, but, like, you always have this ever-present danger because you are the one in power. To- that's totally reminiscent of her character in the present. Totally, It yeah. seemed like that because yeah. she has this ever-present danger following her around, but I yep. thought it was really weird to put two POCs in that role because... So on that on that note, did we ever find out if any of these writers or creators are POCs? I don't think um, that either Casey or McEwen are. Okay. I don't know about the others. Yeah. 
not that big a deal, but I just will point out this is a, a book that is... Well, it's not ideal because you are getting uh, an interpretation of a black woman through the lens of a white person. Yeah. And all, and it seems like they're fantasizing like they are fantasizing New York in the 70s. I know I've been joking around about that, but it's like they're playing off of like coffee and um, the, the Jackie Brown character. Yeah. It's like they're just playing off of that and they're really... And I'm sure they're doing it in, in a good intentioned it, way. Uh, it honestly is a great comic, but I just yeah. But they're kind of playing off the stereotype of the strong black woman mm-hmm. in yeah, the seventies. Is that a stereotype? Well, I think it's it's, it, it's, it's been they're in called films. black ploy- black exploitation films for a reason. But this isn't like she's not calling anybody like jive turkeys no, no, in no. this. You know I what I that. mean? I t- like I totally she's just get like that. A character yeah. with mythological powers that happens to be black in my opinion like they they kind of have like the cool connection to this like yeah. soul beat radio guy yeah. that like they could have done is like a white beat poet beatnik sort of character yeah. but instead they did soul which is like feels yeah. more popular in the and 70s to me I don't know anyway if this is, it's not a fun conversation to have but it's like do you have to be a POC to write an all POC book I do not have the answer for that. I don't either. Yeah, that's I a- don't think you do, but I do I do think it says more about the drive to have these characters as your leads. I don't know that it takes away from genuine like understanding of oh. the characters if you are not. That's where it gets a little fuzzy cuz I don't know. The So yeah. There is, there is definitely a lack of representation in the POC community with writers and Illustrators for comic books. That's a nothing that can be debated. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of them. So, I I guess yeah, that's true. There's, I you don't want to discount somebody because there's a story this person wants to tell, and they're mm-hmm. using these sorts of characters to tell those stories. Right. But should white people not be able to? Right. Should it? Should another like should the should the publisher have opened the door for like someone else to like fill this gap? I don't know. It's a very specific story that a. I get it. A very no. specific yeah. creator was trying to tell, and the fact that this one is um, technically creator-owned and creator-published through Image Comics mm-hmm. is, it, it's not like they're taking the slot necessarily and of it does, someone else. And because it's creator-owned, they don't have the same types of checks and balances. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have the answer to the question that I just posed. Right. Regardless, this comic book is fucking entertaining and really, like, fun and, and creative. Yeah. Right. It has a lot of the things that I love in a comic book, it's got like sci-fi pulp hero who has like a lot of unknowns about them that you're just like, oh, what made them where they are? Mm-hmm. And they're just like, she's fucking badass throughout. You, we we said that you know maybe there was something about this comic that felt like sloppy. Well, I kind of felt like to a certain extent that that was intentional. Like yeah, she's they, she's driving down the street and encounters like a horde of monsters after her. Like, this is one of the best sloppy comics I've read. Easy mm-hmm. easy <laughs> se- easy setup, right? But it's something to show like how much of a casual badass she is. Just oh, yeah. like uh horde of ninjas like who fucking cares just yeah. like slaughter them and then back yeah. in my cab to like finish my job for the she's night. She's just more upset that they're interrupting her right. taxi drive yes. than anything. Yeah. yeah, she's just trying to do her 9 to 5. Yeah. Well, they're okay, should we mention that she does fuck up her taxi? Yeah, and, and she brings oh, it back. She's so she's so good yes. that it doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, I like how much of a badass she is. Imagine that also was really like 
kind of pretty powerful in the influence that she wields over yeah. her boss. Imagine it if you awesome. if you were so good at your job that you just fucked up a laptop and yeah. you, you dropped it in your boss's <laughs> desk and said, I don't fucking buy care. Me another have another one, one ready, yeah. yeah, by my next shift. Yeah. Hey, I have one tomorrow for That's me. That's kind of what my job is like. <laughs> Are you that good? <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Uh, did you guys notice this, that the monster, I'm looking at Greg here specifically. Yep, is it the, a Marvel character? The monster in the very middle of this book is Fantastic Four number one. Yep. It's like an homage to Jack Kirby, I think. Is it really? Yeah. I think so. I, the, the moment I saw it, I was just like, holy shit, That is like Marvel. the exact monster. Yeah, it's crazy wow. looking. So next up, we have Low Road West out on Boom. Words and art by Johnson and Flaviano. So this book has five orphans that are deserted by their bus driver pretty coldly on the way to their last hope for a fresh start in the refugee relocation program in the irradiated wasteland of Oklahoma. They are forced to seek refuge in a town that they find out. Well, I don't know that they, we find out in this book, but in the notes we find out that the town is called Duster's Wake. It, it, like, runs the gamut on stuff that it has. It has nefarious criminals. It has mysterious snipers. It has potential reanimation. It has buildings and towns showing up where they weren't before. And then they find themselves, like, running into this house in the middle of a dust storm that's kind of like a creepy haunted mansion type deal where they have they have to, like, seek shelter and learn more about each other because they didn't know each other going into it. The other flip side of this is that these are orphans. So they have their own grief, loss, and trauma to deal with in the midst of all of this craziness happening around them. But we have a lot of questions, too. Oh, there's so many things, like, to talk about and that I like in this. Like, one, it's like a commentary on refugees in the current state that we're in now and where our country has a place for them and where they're going. That's, like, a not-so-subtle nod to that sort of thing in this book mystical powers and a spooky mansion Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like so many things i love so seamlessly combined into one organic story that and that's the key i think one of the or one of the keys is that this isn't like set in 2045 (laughs) like Mm -mm. it doesn't give you that you just have to like assume like oh wait this is apocalyptic post-apocalyptic world just by like the context Mm -hmm. and you kind of you just immediately get immersed into it so near the end, you mentioned the haunted house or whatever. <laughs> right. When they get in the house and they are inside of it and they say, this house didn't look that big from the outside. And, like, you do a double take and, like, look back at it. That was so brilliantly, like, executed. I totally. did I did actually look back at the... Because you don't... Oh, yeah, me too. This, it's so action-packed that they're constantly moving in this story, but you don't necessarily mm. feel mm-hmm. like you're being drug along. Did this book ever feel like a teen book for you? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think the cast of characters is certainly like uber diverse, which is something that's a trope of things for teens that it like checks off on um, a couple ethnicities and a, like an array of age ranges. So it can hit like the late teens, early teens and the younger kids and the relationships you might have to siblings and things like that. The author in the end like says that he was very influenced by Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and this idea of, like, being able to escape into something um, when your childhood is not so good. And that, to me, reading Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe was super captivating. And I like that he's putting his own spin on this here. Well, and they Mm -hmm. use this, like, kind of 80s-looking handheld video game thing 
as mm. a device for that throughout the book where there's a young kid that an older sister kind of has a parental relationship with and he's had some trauma and he escapes into this like one thing which is his little handheld video game. Do we have we painted a picture of like what this we're, we're in America right now. Yeah, yeah we it's, haven't it's talked Oklahoma. about the whole setup. So we're think. in America has there been a war there? I think uh, because I think we're, we we can assume like American Civil War. We don't they talk know about though. Tango Tommies or Tommy Tangos. Right. As an enemy that used to be an ally. We know we're in Oklahoma because of the author's notes. Right. We know that oil wells are being burned. Yep. And so, and like, the air is toxic and yes. nothing grows anymore. But we also know that this road is supposed to be taking them to one of the safer places San Francisco. in the States. Yeah. Yeah. They went the wrong way then. Oh, I assume they were starting in Kansas Well, City. because they talk, about, <laughs> they talk about the Midwest being largely, like, done. Like, you don't yeah. want to be there. And Washington, D.C. apparently is where... A bunch of people are still they're, ha- yeah, they're fighting. Coming, they're coming out. from DC, going to yes. San Francisco. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and I don't. I feel like we can put if we if we think about what our country is like right now and what San Francisco is like, and then you think about what would happen maybe like thirty years in the future. San Francisco is one of the most progressive places. Yeah, and it's used a lot in fictional future um, stories mm-hmm. to be like the safe haven for. <laughs> You know, so where the logical people will go, right? Yeah, the logical people, the progressive people, the weirdos, and the freaks all end up here as like a safe haven, right? One like super interesting detail about this comic is how much effort they put into talking about that little video game you were talking yeah. about. You mentioned, right? They talk about the premise of it. It's like a game where you are creating and opening doors. Um, to the point that like somebody else even like talks to him and is like, "Oh, my sister used to play that game." And they stumble over the words because they're like, oh, she's not dead. She's actually just getting out of jail. Um, but like, and then when he loses that video game, he's super sad. And then the person that's, ex- that's his sister explains like that video game was like a way that he, he opened up doors and things like that. I just think that attention to detail, I hardly ever see in comic books. Um, now, it may come back around, but I don't think it will. Uh, so I think we've got. There, there might be some overtones, undertones of immigration in our country throughout the rest of the story. There may not be, but I'm, my, I might have filled that in myself. Re- I think there's a definite issue. us versus them that you get from yeah. the f- yeah. tone of the first scene. Like, I kind of filled in the blanks in my head to be like, oh, like white nationalists like turned into one thing. And then there's the rest of the country, and we all fought each other, and it created, like, a wasteland of America. But that might just be me putting my own thing on this book. So, like, one thing with uh, books like this where, like, there's all teenage stuff or whatever is, like, like Paper Girls is is a good reference. Paper Girls is a great book. You should pick it up. You should read it. It is phenomenal. My one critique about Paper Girls is that I don't know when the world ends. I don't really know how all of these, like, um, things are going to resolve. This is a boom book that's telling you it's going to be one of five. And so I think like with all good reason, pick this book up and check it out and like read it because it's like it's going to be a self-contained like fun adventure. Yeah. It's going to it's going to close off itself. It has it has like immediacy. To It'll it. have a, an end. It'll get wrapped up. I forgot. And it says it right there on the cover. And I forgot that it was going to be a one of five. And that's sort of 
like makes me sad a little bit yeah. because I definitely want so much more from this than five issues, but it also makes me like very, very intrigued to see what they are going to do with this. They have a lot to do in the, in the next, yeah. If this were a big publisher, this is something that Marvel does all the time is that they say one of five and then it becomes the first story arc in a much larger story because they're like, hey, people bought this. Let's make more of it. <laughs> time so, to scramble. But I think, I think with it being boom, It'll be a one of five, and if it had a ton of love, they would bring back a volume two a couple years later. Yeah, you're probably right. Last but not least, we have Iceman from Marvel. Words and art by Grace and Stockman. Bobby Drake is king of the dad jokes and optimism in this. This book feels really... um, Modern and yet not heavy-handed in any way, shape, or form. Drake has Bishop, who is not his expected teammate, but is what he gets to work with for this mission. They, we, they team up with the Marlocks Underground to counter a new threat to extinguish these Marlocks. And that um, spoiler is led by none other than Mr. Sinister. The team-up leads to the beginning of bridging the mutant communities in a way, which seems to be Drake's M.O. He's, like, hoping for this better tomorrow, um, wants to bridge the communities, is just so optimistic throughout this. Um, and that's mo- that's what I got from most yeah. of this story. It, it doesn't focus so much on his dating struggles as I think it could have, but I don't think it suffers from that in any way. So I think, like, so Iceman in general is... Marvel is using somewhat as a trope to just comment on the X-Menisms of the bullshit that's going on and all of the different X-Men stuff. And so in that way, it's really interesting. My understanding is that Cinna Grace, that um, when he wrote the other Iceman, dealt with a lot of the LGBTQ issues there and kind of set the tone for a lot of his like dating relationship that was tackled there. This author is amazing and mostly don't not known for his independent work. So and and very out. Uh, and so the fact that they are like proudly putting him at the helm of like Iceman is a really fucking cool move of uh, Marvel to be honest Bobby Drake is coming to terms with so many things all at once like he's just out so he's trying to own being gay trying to date men with the same pickups that he used for women (laughs) right yeah (laughs) and he's trying to own being a leader uh, trying to play that role not only with, like, his contemporaries in the X-Men, but also with, like, younger people. So maybe he's seeing success here and there, but not... But he's 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 navigating everything as, like, fresh terrain. Totally. So his whole world has been upheaved at this point. This, was, this was a canceled series? Well, so it talks about that a little bit, and I didn't... I wanted to ask that question. I think he used the word canceled in that, like... They had an end. They asked for an end to Iceman. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like, wrap it up, just okay. like they they said wrap up to almost every other one of their series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he was surprised to see in Fresh Start that Iceman was coming back, and he got asked to do that again. Okay, Can- canceled seemed like a flimpet term, though, in my opinion. So Iceman was one of the founding members of the original X Men team. Yeah, that's true. But he's always felt like a secondary character to me. 
So it's crazy that he got like his own. It's always crazy to me to see him get his own book. Well, I mean, he's just like the opposite of Johnny Storm or Human Torch. Mm-hmm. Quite literally. Right. Yes. But and, like, on, honestly, kind of the application of his powers is much more versatile. And and I, I think that he has like a lot to move with, right? He can he can do a lot of crazy stuff being yeah. a mutant and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Greg. And Arrow. like just that idea of like, I think you get his power at face value. Mm-hmm. So to dive in him as like a character, it's a lot like what they did with Vision. Um, they're right. giving a character who seems one dimensional so many dimensions and that's a really really f- rich fun thing to do it's just a weird thing for like uh one of the five founding mem- members of the most arguably the most popular <laughs> superhero group in comic books to have him feel just like second fiddle to every other x-men they're they're aware of that in the telling of the story though for sure because mm-hmm. he makes several comments about b- that he's the comic relief mm-hmm. he's like the c-3po of the x-men who's just <laughs> like, jubilee, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a goofball if jubilee can make you put money into a jar then if, yeah you're not yeah. you're you're just co- that comic relief i just don't know what drives Iceman to be Iceman. i think he knows, does that make sense like so I, I think that his yeah i agree with that but i think like he like he, Whereas, like, Wolverine has this struggle of, like, I have to take care of me, but I also have to be an X-Man, and, like, I'm I'm rough and rugged. Uh, I, <laughs> I get it. You like Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think Iceman is like, well, I'm an X-Man, so I would do the good thing. And then he... But doesn't that get boring? Well, if you compare it's him a, to It's Spider-Man an occupation too. for him. No, you're totally right. He's a Boy Scout. He's but like he's in not, every sense of the word, he's but, like one of the team, and now he's trying to figure out who he is beyond that identity. Yeah, that he's he's kind of had an explosion of self that is like, oh, maybe I'm more than just a role player, but I, which, I, which he's always played the part of for like fucking sixty years of comic books. He's just yeah. been a role player. I think I think it's occupation. Like he's learning how to manage. He's yeah. like he's learning how to lead. He's learning how to like work with somebody that has the same seniority as him. He's yeah. getting like, all the depth all at once. It's like he just got a promotion. Like he's been like in the fucking mailroom and he's just like oh, they're like, "Here, why don't you uh try being the manager for a little bit?" And he's like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> yeah, but you're also ignoring like in that occupation you're ignoring the personality depth that he's now able to explore. Maybe mm-hmm. not now in this first issue, but like He's obviously learning that, too, which we have talked about a little bit in this mm-hmm. issue that, like, he's learning everything all at once. But, like, he's not a Boy Scout in so much as he hasn't had to hide so much that now he's not hiding and trying to navigate. I, uh, and there's uh, that built-in adversity that makes him inherently more complex than someone who's just been by the book. Yes. Always, will always be by I the will book. say in the last, like, three years, Iceman has gained more depth. Because they they made his character more complex, they added a sexuality angle to it. Like now he has more layers than just like I can turn into ice. And because that didn't really. Because here's my problem. This is the fourth attempt at an Iceman comic, volume four. Like wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's just like why haven't the previous three worked? Which is an, a discussion for another time, obviously. But it's just like, do you think this one's gonna stay? The la- oh, so so I'll say that this one purely exists because the last one worked. That there were uh, yeah. there was enough of a rabid fan base that Marvel was like, "Hey, we're like fresh starting everything because people didn't like the weird new directions we took characters." 
people liked this character enough and the new direction they took with it enough mm-hmm. that they were like, let's give it another shot, see how this five-issue miniseries also, goes, yeah. and like maybe we make it ongoing again. I think it was like a proven concept. I think Marvel has taken some risks even recently with mm-hmm. like unproven artists that they are are kind of backing off on. This was a proven... This is a calculated risk that paid off for them yep. in the previous way. So, yeah, I think this is all about Cinegrace. 100%. You could, you could, we could speak all day about creators who made books what they are, and you could give them any character, and they're going to tell good stories, and that's what makes yeah. a good surprise. That's what makes a good comic book. <laughs> that if you have someone who can like do good things and interesting things with it, they're going to succeed. This can be a throwaway, but that's also what makes an involved, complex character. When you yeah. have... This guy who's kind of like a Boy Scout yet is punishing his students with his golems because they liked a picture of his ex on a social media platform. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit more complex and somebody that's interesting and relatable that I would want to see do well. Yeah. I mean, not like punish. You know the, right. what I'm talking about. Like yeah. He's a middle like- management X-Men, and that's what I love about him. <laughs> that yeah. is so fucking true. Well, that's that interesting. is brilliant. How, how, much, how relatable is that as just like common people? Yeah. Yes. That okay. I get it now. That like it, <laughs> for, for whatever reason now it's just like okay. I get it. I gotta get it. Yeah. He's he's us trying to get a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being at your job and just being like, I should be the boss now. Yeah. But he's also like the founder of the company. Right. Yeah. Has just found himself well, like an everyman well, in how, that company. This is how, Tommy Boy. This is how everyone at every job feels though. That the fact that like. Yeah, this thing would fall apart without me. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, <laughs> if you if you left, no one, I don't know if anyone would notice. Yes. <laughs> but you're like just like, duality oh, of yeah. we could yeah. probably equal parts replace you pretty time. quick. Right, yeah. Really great, interesting book that gives you some references to bigotry and disenfranchised people and attacks those subjects fucking head on. <laughs> and sometimes I really appreciate the lack of subtlety in mainstream comics when they're able to yeah. do things like this. So thank you, Cena Grace, for um, hitting us up with a pretty pretty raw story that was also, like, fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. Really worth checking out. Yep. Cool. All right, guys. That was another successful issue of First Issue Club. <laughs> successful. <laughs> issue of Issue Club. We always say it's an issue. Oh. Is that a thing? I don't do know. Do we, do we have issues? Do we refer to our podcast as an issue? Let's do it right now. Let's take a vote. Do we refer to our episodes as issues? I think we've done it enough that we should just do that. But yeah. it sounds like a mistake to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, does, it does sound like a doesn't sound but natural. But we call like certain, certain episodes variants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, are are the is it an issue of first issue club? Yeah. Mm. I think it's also say, that since we say issue so close together. Uh, okay. That also sounds funny. Episode issue. I don't know. I'll let's, put it up on Twitter. Let's not decide. Let's vote. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Do the thing in the movies where they go boop and like to do yeah, a yeah. take two. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> All right, so that was another successful episode of First Issue Club, the podcast that helps you read comic books. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Straight to the point. Uh, We are uh, uh, recorded at KCUR Studios in Kansas City, Missouri. We are edited and produced by Matthew Hodap. Uh, Music by Primary Color Music. 
Um, we are a member of the Fountain City Frequency of uh, Podcasts. Did and, I say all that right? All those Fs. Yeah, and do at me, bro. It's uh, at First Issue Club. Yeah, at us a lot, actually. More ats, the better. <laughs> so definitely, I think a lot of people, you listen to a podcast and people say a thing about following up and telling us you want something or reaching out and following us or reviewing yeah. us. And everybody's too chicken shit <laughs> to actually do it. But for real, like, find us on Instagram, First Issue Club, message us or DM me or something, and we'll get you at least, like, some stickers and some buttons, maybe some more stuff if you yeah, actually, like, if you, if you reach out and say you're a fan and you're interested, like, we love that. We love meeting people who, like, actually give a shit and care. We want to talk to you more. Can I, and can I say this like about, like, about that? Yeah. So there, I recently done, gone to a black hole of, like, YouTubers and, like, mm-hmm. personalities and shit. All of them have websites that are, like, up, you know, buy, buy some of our swag, support us, and it is shitty ass swag with like their <laughs> picture on it. it. Might be a stocking cap. Our swag, our materials that we made is so fucking dope, and we're not even trying to fucking sell it to no. you. We're yeah. literally we trying to give, give it, it to, to you for fucking talk free. To us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Please like me. <laughs> can I? Can but I? That's th- the point. It's all about building about a community. Yeah. That's why we started this like, in the first place. I like this yeah. whole format of asking permission to say yeah. something. Can I say something? <laughs> Please go ahead. I, so I went down recently this black hole about like um, Twitterists, like Twitter celebrities, and they yeah. have these websites that are just like, hey. Can you just like buy my stuff from my YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. It's shit. <laughs> All of their stuff is shit. It is, yeah. And um, I, I think our stuff's great, and we're not even like charging. It's free. <laughs> yeah. Can I say something Jesus. too? If I could just yeah. like take one second. You can, yeah, to you can. Yeah, you can take a say something. You have yeah. a second here. So yeah. the um, the other day I was um, on Tinder. And I saw a couple links to, like, some, like, cool stuff. It's just, like, hey, if you don't want to date me, at least, like, buy my things and support me on, you know, all my other socials and things. So I, like, got through this wormhole of clicking things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these stuff, these Tinder people were selling was just, like, totally, like, not worth my time or money. And it's, like, someone's giving this person $20 for that, and it's, like... I'm giving that away for free? Like, what? Yeah, totally. It's crazy. I was seriously 100% just like, what? Yeah. So one thing, too, could I say something? Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. Please. Okay. Um, I was uh, going down this rabbit hole of, like, direct mail. Um, So so people were sending me direct mail. Um, Lots of, like, you might be winning Publisher Clearing House, like, all this kind of shit and stuff. And so I did what most people would do. I opened it all up. I read it all word for word, line by line, anything I was mentioned. And and, and lo and behold, at the bottom, um, there's a a, a page. You you tear out. It's a perforated page. You you tear it out, and then it it tries to sell you things. And and those things they're trying to sell you are shit, and the stuff we're trying to give you is good. Yeah. Can I say something on that one last time? (laughs) Yeah. So I was going down this rabbit hole, and I ran to this rabbit. And he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was just trying to, I found this hole. And I was like, can I go down this hole? I wonder what's down this hole. I didn't know it was going to lead to your house. He's like, hey, it's no big deal. Happens all the time. Since you're here, I have some stuff I could sell you. <laughs> and I got to be honest, guys, it was fucking shit. <laughs> was it fucking shit? No, I just have to say something, <laughs> okay. like, real quick. Yeah. Can I say something anything? real quick? Yeah. Can I- yeah, you can. Yeah, you guys can. Yeah. Let me let me go ahead first. Okay. So like, can just, I not say something? Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to say anything. Just, yeah. Is if, that okay? If you could listen to the thing that I'm yes, going to say, I'll do that. So I'm 
driving the other day, and I'm, I passed this billboard, and it's asking of me to, like, go check out this website. And it's okay. like, first of all, that's, like, yeah. so much to ask so of me. So like, Also dangerous. Go, like, Google something from yeah. a billboard that I'm just driving by. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I go to the, I'm just curious, I go to the website, and they're just trying to sell me these things, and I kind of go down this rabbit hole of all these products they have, and I check out their YouTube channel, and um, it's, like, a lot of content just trying to sell me, like, Basically, shit. Oh. Yeah. Can I for like like twenty five dollars like a pop? Really? Oh god, this is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. Can I say something just super 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 super? super quick? Sure. If you just be fast about super it. Super quick. Okay. So God got him. God himself revealed himself to me <laughs> the other day, and um, I went down this rabbit hole. Okay. And um, he was selling me upon this religion. So it ends up. Um, I didn't. I have been meaning to tell you guys this. I don't have a wife anymore. I don't have a child anymore. I don't have any earth, earthly possessions. I'm in a real fucking dark place. But anyway, it turns out wasn't worth it. And I wish he just would have given me shit. For free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we exhausted that? <laughs> well, this has been uh, Budget King, and uh, as I always say, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. That's it. Where's that from? Isn't that a song? Yep. Is it Talking Heads? No. I think mm. it's like Imagine Dragons. Yeah, that's a more contemporary oh. type song. One foot in front of the other. Imagine that Dragons. That reminded me of like uh, a Disney America's mom's um, favorite mo- uh, band. Yeah, that's yeah. Like oh. Aladdin. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is Greg, Greg Lichtai signing off. I'm Caitlin Morosik, and I will show myself out. It's Mike D coming at you, boy. And then I'm leaving also, boy. Bye. Boy, bye. Bye. Bye.